You may be seated. Scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verses 38 through 42. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and removed his body. Nicodemus, who had at first come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about a hundred pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with spices and linen cloths, according to the burial customs of the Jews. Now there was a garden in the place where he was crucified, and in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And so, because it was the Jewish day of Passover and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. The Word of God to the people of God. Good morning, church. You still out there? Good morning. It's good to have you out here. It's good to hear you worship and hear your, hear your songs of praise, and, and it's just good that we're all here together. Uh, thanks for being here. Whether you're in the house, whether you're here online, let's take a moment this morning to wave to each other, to wave to those online, to, to make that family connection so that, so that we all know that we are uh, a family here at Good Shepherd, whether you're here in the house or if this is your first time. This is your first time. Welcome to the family. We're glad you're here. Uh, I, uh, a quick comment, like Stephanie said this morning on the, on the feed or shout out here in the house so that uh, we know you are here. I'm Pastor Regina and I'm looking forward to spending the next few minutes with you. There are pretenders of piety as well as courage. We are in the world, but not of the world. This quote from the 15th century French playwright Molaire sets the stage for our journey this morning. Children love to pretend, don't they? This game is, is how they learn. It's how they stretch their imagination. It's all fun and games until pretending becomes a way of life. As a child becomes an adult and, and lines get blurred between pretend life and our authenticity, problems arise. Lent is the season when we face our pretend selves. We seek to move toward faithfulness. As Christians, we are living in this world, but, no, but our lives should indicate that we are not in, we are in this world, but our lives should indicate that we are not of this world. Let me begin on Ash Wednesday, as we know, and, and our Lenten sermon series on the road to the cross focuses on bit players found along this road to Calvary and ultimately to the empty tomb. The journey along the dusty, difficult road allows us to observe the scenery around us. It allows us to see people and to participate in the events we encounter. Along our journey, we learn to listen to those subtle voices declaring truths that lay below the surface. It's by walking this road that we will better appreciate the resurrection. So far on our journey, we have met... Simon the leper who hosted a meal and, and a prostitute who anointed Jesus with expensive oil. These folks taught us that, that all persons have great lessons to teach. That Jesus looks beyond the surface of events and people and recognizes the true significance of each. 
These individuals helped us to understand that actions taken in love are never insignificant. Simon the leper and the sinful woman helps us to to realize that sinful individuals can be redeemed no matter what disease or malady infects us. We learn that God is a welcoming God who claims all persons as children. We met the high priest service Malchus last week. Through his encounter with Peter and Jesus, we see restoration, humility, and a sense of purpose. We discovered that we are all walking wounded who can be redirected. We are healed through the touch of Jesus and and a change in perspective. A change in perspective is is possible because because of Jesus' atypical reaction of healing and wholeness to the unwarranted wounds of life. Jesus teaches us to stop and stop reacting and to disarm our attackers with love. We learn from Jesus how, to, how not to retaliate but to live for a greater purpose. We learn to, emphasize, to empathize with the victimizer and not take on the role of the victim. Jesus teaches us forgiveness and surrender so that ultimately we realize God's presence in our suffering. Even when we doubt... God is present. God shows up to remind us how much we are loved. We serve a God who majors in the minors and walks along with our suffering in order to heal us. Today we meet two great pretenders. We meet Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. These men were men of power, prestige, and wealth. They were members of the Sanhedrin. They led double lives until the death of Jesus. We are, we are getting a better understanding of Nicodemus uh, during Grow this year as, as we, on Wednesday nights, we witness Nicodemus' struggle with his lifelong religion and who he is seeing in the practices and teachings of Jesus. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea wanted to follow Jesus openly when he was alive, but to do so would cost them way too much. Nicodemus came to Jesus late one night after a conversation with Jesus. Nicodemus believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Now, we don't really know the origin of Joseph of Arimathea's face, but we do know that he was a faithful man because of his later actions that when he took, he and Nicodemus took Jesus and prepared him for burial. They never tipped their hand to the Jewish council but they were followers of Christ. Did this action make them hypocrites? I guess so if if you use the purest form of definition, particularly if you think about the mask that Ron talked to us last yesterday about. But let's not be too quick to judge these two men. Have we ever hidden our true selves for fear of what might happen if the real us were known? Have we kept quiet on matters of faith when to speak up might have placed us in the, in the minority perspective? Have we been great, we have all been great pretenders at some point in our faith journey. Nick and Joe came around later on their journey. When they struggle with, when the struggle of conscience became too great, these honorable men did the right thing. Living double lives both bothered them. When things got bad for Jesus, it was Nick and Joe who showed up. Nick spoke on Christ's behalf at the trial before Pilate. 
Joseph did not agree with the Sanhedrin's plan. And, and after Jesus' death, he, he took a very public step to claim and attend to Jesus' body. When the greatest risk was present, Nick and Joe demonstrated the most courage. It would have been easier to follow Jesus when things were on the, the rise, only to abandon him when things got tough. We, we saw that happen with some of the disciples. But instead, Nick and Joe took a risk when things went bad and they claimed to be followers of Christ in the end. These men became unlikely heroes. Could we be as courageous? Christianity is no less dangerous and, and, and divisive today. In this country, we may not have to fear for our lives but because of, of our Christian faith, but in many countries in our world today, there are folks who are in fear of their lives just because they claim to be Christians. Even in this country, we're, we are no longer the majority faith. Even among the Christians, we tend to stake a claim on doctrine or defend rigorously our beliefs at the expense of those who believe differently. Christianity today disrupts the status quo of society just as much as it did in the first century. We should strive to be courageous disruptors of our faith, but we should do so with respect and love that Jesus demonstrated to us. Too often in today's society, Christianity loses its witness because, of our, because our actions do not match our words. Christians fail in our attempts to make disciples because we are too worried about who has the right answers and whose doctrine is wrong. We forget to allow the love of God and neighbor to be the connecting point within lies of, lines of division. We seek uniformity rather than unity. We do not allow our authentic Christian selves to be revealed for fear that we might be ostracized or rejected. Nicodemus and Joseph in the end lived authentic lives. They allowed their faith in Jesus to be demonstrated by their actions. They took clear and concise steps to reveal true beliefs. Now, we got about five steps this morning that Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea took to show us how to live out our faith authentically in a world that displays inauthenticity as a way of life. At the death of Jesus, Nicodemus and, G and uh, Joseph broke with their past. When they chose to take an active role in burying Jesus, it changed everything. It was that single act in a long process that expressed their true faith in Jesus. It was at the crucifixion of Jesus that, that sent both men over the edge and it gave them, gave them courage to stand against the high priest and the Sanhedrin and to solidify their previous conflict with those in power. We too must break with our past influences if we are to live authentic lives for Jesus. These men displayed great courage. Joseph went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Nicodemus joined in the effort. They let go of their fear, private belief, and invited the wrath of the most powerful people and institutions of their day by stepping up and taking the responsibility to bury Jesus. We too must be courageous in our efforts to demonstrate our faith even in the face of difficulty. Nicodemus and Joseph chose to live a public faith. By choosing responsibility to, to bury Jesus, 
Their faith was no longer a secret. Pilate and Herod knew. The chief priests and the Sanhedrin knew. Everyone in the city knew who buried Jesus. It's because of the actions of Nicodemus and Joseph that Easter was even possible. Rob Burkhart states, Had Christ's body been left to rot and then unceremoniously thrown into the city dump, there would have been no empty tomb, no eyewitnesses, and the women would have not have come Easter morning to care for the body. The story of Easter would have been dramatically different without their great and public courage. You ever thought about that before? It's their public courage demonstrated by these men that made the difference. When we live authentically and act on our true beliefs, our faith becomes powerful. Nicodemus and Joseph invested in what they believed. It was costly for these men to follow Christ. The life that they had known would be drastically different if they even lived at all because of their faithful action. They stopped playing it safe and put it all in, in, in one in the line of following Jesus. Their reputation, their position, their status, their future, their money, all gone. Yet they realized that their investment held hope for a greater future. We too must live out our faith. Like Nicodemus and Joseph, we must expect to sacrifice. Although these men were wealthy, they made a sacrifice to bury Jesus. The tomb, Jesus, the tomb Joseph gave Jesus was very expensive. Tombs of that size, carved in stone, were intended for multi-generational use. Bodies were placed in crypts along the wall on low benches until decomposition took place. And then the bones were gathered, removed, and placed outside of the tomb in other graves. To give this tomb away was a great sacrifice for the greater good. The spices and shroud that Nicodemus provided for Jesus was also an expensive investment. We probably will not be called on to, to invest in our faith in these ways, but authentic faith is sacrificial. Courage, commitment, and character are all sacrifices that can be costly at times especially in the estimations of the world. But faith calls us to willingly sacrifice things of great worldly value to further the cause of Christ. Scripture doesn't really tell us what happened to Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, but we do know they stopped pretending and lived courageously and authentically. Nick and Joe teach us that pretenders, fakes, frauds, and failures are all welcome at the open and empty tomb. God's pure and authentic love awaits us on Easter. Through the fog of doubt and deceit that life offers, truth emerges. Easter proves that although we may be pretenders, God is not. Riding in the basket near the handle of a shopping cart, the boy faced his mom. His feet dangled and bounced in time with her every step. While she scanned the shelves in front of her, he peered down the aisle behind them. The day she, that day she added some Easter candy and a chocolate bunny and an egg dyeing kit. Pushing the cart, a man rounded the corner behind them. 
He had a bewildered look on his face like the man who had been sent on a shopping expedition by his wife. He didn't have a clue where to find most of the things he wanted, so he walked up and down every aisle. Anybody been there? The only part of the store that he was personally familiar with was the bakery, where a cup of coffee and a donut was a dollar. That's still in town. When the man came into view, little boy let out a cry of joy at the top of his lungs. Look, Mommy, there's Jesus. Boy might well have said, there's Elvis. Every head within ear earshot turned in the direction of the boy's outstretched arms and mile-wide grin. Shocked by the outburst, the mother turned in time to see the look on the man's face change from bewilderment to shock to amusement. No, honey, that's Mr. Burkhart. No, Mommy, that's Jesus. The man smiled and approached the mother and the boy. Sorry, Mr. Burkhart, I don't know what got, it, got to him. It's all right, I've been called worse. Hi, Mr. Burkhart, said the boy, and as he reached out to pick him up, the boy fit his, easily into his arms and gave him a big hug and leaned back and put one hand on each side of the man's face and declared, Jesus, I see you. The adults had changed some pleasantries for a few minutes while he held her son. Well, I've got to go. My wife will think I got lost, he said with a smile as he placed the young boy back into the mother's shopping cart. By the way, do you know where they're hiding the baking soda? I'm 13, she said, with the other baking supply. Thanks. Bye-bye. Waving at the boy. Bye-bye, Jesus, shouted the little man as he waved with all his might. More confident than ever that his theological convictions were well-founded and that he had indeed experienced a supermarket theophany. The man smiled gently, shook his head, pushed his cart to the end of the aisle, turned the wrong way if he's going to 13, but the right way if he headed for another donut. The young mother smiled and tried to figure out this strange cause of mistaken identity. When she finally teased out the truth, she decided that her son had come to a perfectly logical three-year-old conclusion. On Sundays, Mr. Burkhart was assistant Sunday school superintendent at the church. One of his duties was to visit the classrooms, make sure everything was going okay, and that the teachers had what they needed. There was nothing more important, as far as he was concerned, than seeing the next generation come to love and serve God as he did. On the Sunday morning rounds, he was also supposed to pick up the Sunday school offering. And each Sunday, the young mother and father put coins in the boy's pocket with the strict instructions, give this money to Jesus. And each Sunday, her son did exactly what he was supposed to do when Jesus showed up to collect the offering. There was much to her son's delight when he saw Jesus at the supermarket. When the mother reminded Mr. Burkhart's son of the story of his, at his father's funeral, she was thankful that the elder Mr. Burkhart wasn't a pretender in the faith and that she didn't have to worry about her young son seeing Jesus saying or doing something that the real Jesus would never say or do. All of us can hope that others see in us the living Jesus within us. And to live out our faith as Jesus taught us to. That our actions reflect authentic Christian faith and that we are never pretenders in the faith. May our actions exhibit a true and courageous faith 
May we each live out our faith as one living in the world, but not of this world. As we move into Holy Communion this morning, let us think about maybe the times that we have been pretenders. We've all been there. Let us think about how we, even though we're pretenders, even though we're broken people, how God invites all of us to this table. We are all welcome, no matter our past, no matter who we are. God welcomes us to this table. Let's take a moment this morning to confess those things to God that keep us from our true authentic selves. Holy and awesome God, we thank you. We thank you that you forgive us. You forgive us when, when we pretend our way through life. You forgive us when we, we step out and, and, and we don't do those things maybe that Jesus would do. You forgive us when we are, are scared to take that step of faith because of what others might think. But Lord, we thank you above all else this morning that we are forgiven people who can come to your table and experience your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is that interesting time of the year as, as we think back to that first Passover meal where, where Jesus was having dinner with his friends and, and the stories were being told and the ritual was being followed and, and everybody was remembering what was supposed to happen and while they were, they were celebrating that meal. And then Jesus took that drastic turn as Jesus often did and, and he took that bread and he blessed that bread and he broke that bread and, and he said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this every time that you eat it in remembrance of me. And then he took that very last cup and he went off script again and he said, Drink from this all of you for this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. He blessed it and he said, Every time you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Holy and awesome God, as we come to you this morning to partake of, of this grace-filled meal, we ask you to pour out your blessings on all of us who are here today, on all of us who are sitting online, who may be worshiping with us. We ask you to fill this bread and wine with your spirit so that it may be for us a reminder that you live within us. Lord, may we give you the praise and glory in all that we do as we come to the table and are forgiven and freed. Amen. Will those who are assisting me this morning come forward, please?
All are invited to this table. It is the table of Christ. It is not the United Methodist table, nor is it Good Shepherd's table. But this is the table of Christ, and all are invited. We do have gluten-free options and single-serve options. If you're not comfortable with intention, where they will pick, take a piece of the bread, hand it to you, and you will dip it in the cup. Come now. Everyone is invited.
as we go from this place, go surrendering yourself to Christ's love and share that love with others. Amen. Go with God. You are dismissed. Oh,